Father Harrison, let's start off with some administrative details. Man, you really you you really are a priest, aren't you? Uh, I am. I really am a priest. <laughs> I mean, starting off this way, you might be bishop material. <laughs> uh, for those who listen to other podcasts, yes, I did steal that from a uh, different podcast. If you know what I stole administrative details from, then I don't know, tweet at us. You get a prize of us liking your tweet. But anywho, yeah, so we just got done with Clerically Meeting. Yep. Uh, we uh, met with producer Nick and producer Riley, and we've got uh, some plans for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, little ones. Uh, I guess let's let's start off, first things first, Father Harrison, um, you and I, but especially you, have been working with Pauline Sisters a lot. Yes. And over the course of our podcast careers, uh, we formed a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to start doing is uh, supporting them with our uh, Patreon monies. And so we have uh, earmarked uh, some money that we're going to send over to them. So, and that's what we'll be doing for the future. With any surplus we have. Yeah. Yeah. With a surplus we have, which we will have some, we will have some but we won't have as much because right. we're going to do some things. Yes. Uh, one of the things we're going to do is, so producer Nick, uh, when he started when we started this podcast, Nick literally thought that this was going to be a joke thing that we did like two episodes of. If you want to know why the Summa Tweetologica is so ridiculous, is because it was a throwaway idea. Uh, Nick recorded it in like two minutes. I didn't even know it was a throwaway idea. It I was even a knew that until he told us that. I'm like, oh wow, okay. It was it was me and Nick. We were in his house, and I was like, can we use some sort of like goofy chant thing? And when we thought of that Taze thing. And uh, he threw it together in two minutes that's because he, that's, you know. That's what he did. And, yeah. And that's so, so funny because I was actually just taking it really seriously. I'm like, We're, this is, people are going to like this. Yeah. I mean, I was taking it, I was somewhere in the middle. Okay. I, I, did. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any of us expected it to take off quickly, but it did. Yeah. yeah. No. And Nick, he, he is much more knowledgeable in the realms of social media right. and progress stuff. So he had more realistic expectations than we did. Um, but so, and I was somewhere in the middle. I was like, oh, this will be fun. It'll be good. We'll do some, and we all want it to be good, but there you go. Um, and that's also why we have the microphones that we have, mm-hmm. which are not bad. They're not terrible, uh, except for yours, which never works. Yeah. And so uh, we were getting fancier microphones, which will make our voices sound even more um, sultry and melodic, and uh, it'll be good. So Nick will hook us up with that. Mm-hmm. And then what else? Oh, yes. And we want to start uh, plugging our Patreon more because um, basically Nick and Riley need diapers. Yep. Nick and Riley. Yeah, they bo- Nick and Riley need diapers. Yep. Uh, Nick, so that he can constantly edit the podcast right. uh, <laughs> and not have to take breaks. Yeah. And Riley, so she can use them on her uh, future baby. And I mean, like if our if our if our Patreon gets high enough, we can even buy an uh, intravenous line to stick into Nick's arm, so that the coffee can just instantly flow into his veins. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So we'll hook up and Nick. Just, he'll he'll, we'll, we'll strap him to a chair to just constantly yeah. edit. Yeah, producer Nick will become a pod person in, in multiple <laughs> senses. He All he'll do is edit podcasts, uh, be fed coffee, and oh, he'll have a diaper. And that's that's an image for you right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and he'll need to do that because we're going to work on uh, getting back to our old schedule. We're going to yes. give it a shot here. We're going to give it a shot. So we can guarantee at least this, that uh, next week when you uh, check your feed, we'll have another one. And uh, we're both just kind of more settled in our places, yeah. and we're going to try to go back to our old schedule. Yeah. Yeah, just and I, I was just saying at the meeting too. I was like, you know, looking back more and more, like 
COVID sucks and it really <laughs> sucked this last year. And I think it's just right. a lot of things. It was good for a break. It, it was good to ease ourselves back in, I think, too, to not be overwhelmed. Because like we said before, it can be easy to just try and get some content just for the sake of content or whatever. And it's like, no, no, it's like we're feeling we're both feeling pretty good. Like I'm feeling really good right now, to be honest. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the question is, can we still do that even when we're not feeling good? But it's uh, those days will come again, I'm sure. Yes. Um, so, but I think, yeah, it's, it's I, I feel in a really good place in my life right now, actually, as a priest. So um, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And so that's why we're just mentioning the Patreon again. Uh, we haven't mentioned it a lot because we just, Father Harrison and I um, just stopped caring about it. I know that sounds bad, but we were just like, making the podcast and doing our own thing but now we want to kind of refocus stuff get diapers for nick and riley uh send money to the sisters and get ourselves some new equipment and so thank you for i mean we've had so many people donate and thank you Mm -hmm. so much for supporting us um it's wonderful it's amazing it's impressive um so thank you so much already for your generosity uh but uh you know if you like subscribe to multiple podcasts uh on patreon you know you can drop catching foxes yeah, they, who needs them? Yeah, they, they don't. Yeah, they're, they're fine. Just, they're Whatever. Just, they're just two lay people. They make yeah. They make nah. probably tens of thousand dollars a month. Probably millions of dollars in probably their millions uh, of dollars a month, right? Yeah. In their gigs, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> y- you know, do it. Do it for producer Nick's and producer Riley's baby. That's um, right. Okay, Harrison. I'm very curious because okay. you were away last week. Yeah. And so were you. Uh, and you, were ha- you. I was, but I'll talk about that later. That was just a, a boring vacation. You were hanging out with super cool sisters. Yeah. Are we? Wait. Are you done your part? Oh, I have done my part. Oh, okay. And on that note, <laughs> welcome to Clearly Speaking. I'm Father Anthony, and I'm Father Harrison. Yeah. I got to be careful because I could probably talk for a couple of hours about my time there. Yeah. Uh, don't do that. And I won't do that. I will start with this, and I'm sure for those who saw me on Twitter posting about it, um, it was. A great time it was uh it was the best vacation i've ever had in my life honestly and true and was it restful no <laughs> yeah you guys I, were working we were working and i i was joking with them i said you know finally i'm living out my promise of obedience which is <laughs> oh, sister obedience says, the stand here go here redo that take stand here you know it's just like all right i'll do that just tell me where to go and i'll go um yeah. but no sharing you know i've gotten to know some of those sisters in person but lots we just zoom conversations with the book and all this stuff and then uh and you know talking on dms and 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 texts and everything but now it was like just hang out with so many of them in person was one of the greatest gifts of my life um honestly and truly i i can't i can't it's hard i'm still praying over the grace of the experience i was um i was praying about it yesterday just like why is this like why was this so awesome and i realized like because like going in i actually like had no clue what to expect <laughs> really and truly like right just, yeah not in terms of just filming like what to expect living with a religious community for 10 days and all this stuff um mm-hmm. so yeah it was it's one of the biggest highlights of my priesthood was to be able to work with those sisters who do such like amazing amazing work um, and they're they're worth supporting through their daughter's project. Which, by the way, if you're looking for some extra Father Harrison content, oh, Daughter's Project season three just came out. We're on. I just think episode two dropped last week, and it's all about my new book. And Yay. so myself and Sister 
Teresa and Nancy primarily, although I think a couple times, I'm trying to remember, I think it was a couple times Sister Danielle popped in when Sister Teresa was away. Um, we have eight or nine episodes kind of focusing around the book to kind of prep people for it when it comes out in October. But yeah, I went there to do a six-part series of videos that are going to be used to help parishes um, form people in the studying of the book, really. Nice. Um, and like, it looks like the little bits that I've seen that we just, that have not been edited at all. Like, watch out, Word on Fire. Watch <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, sisters are coming the for you. Sisters are coming for you because <laughs> it looks amazing. It looks amazing. Great. So to work in their apostolate with them was a real joy. It really started to confirm more and more in me that their charism is something I have a heart for, which Sister Teresa kind of dropped on me about a year and a half ago when I submitted my proposal, for, or two years ago now maybe, my proposal for the mm -hmm. book. And she goes, Father Harrison, you sound really Pauline. Which was, oh. yeah, so that it, being with them and in their work. And like, this is the other thing. Like, these women are amazing. Like hearing all the stories about all these sisters and what they've done and what they, the passion they have for their vocation and for their ministry and their apostolate and for evangelization and catechesis and mission and all this stuff. And their total reliance on God is really inspiring. Um I won't, yeah, like I said, I won't like go in forever. It's just like, so, uh, so I met too many sisters that I can possibly like <laughs> say, Hey, on the podcast right now, because it'll take, mm -hmm. I met all of them. Um, but I'll, I'll share a couple quick highlights. Okay. So one of them was on third, on the third, first Thursday I was there. Sister Teresa had texted me a few weeks beforehand saying, do you want to celebrate the mass for my renewal of vows? Ooh. which for me was a big honor for multiple reasons. One, she's a good friend. Two, um, I've never done something like that as a priest. And three, I've actually just never been to vows of religious as a priest. So to celebrate the mass for that was kind of cool. Yeah. But do you know what the reading was that day? Oh, I remember because you told me about it. It was, um, what's her face? Uh, mourning her virginity. Yeah, Jephthah's daughter uh, who is sacrificed you, yeah. to God. Jephthah makes a vow yeah. to God that if he wins against the Ammonites, uh, he will sacrifice the first thing that comes out his front door. And it was his daughter. And then she goes, but before you sacrifice me, Father, let me go mourn my virginity for two months. I'm just like, so when she sent me the readings, I'm like, all right, let's, I'm sure we can work this out. And so I brought in Augustine, Origen, and Ambrose, their interpretations. Oh, just them. Just them, just those guys. <laughs> to... <laughs> highlight the three evangelical councils and then tie them into like their charism of Jesus, master, way, truth, and life. So that was really fun and beautiful to witness. And so pray for Sister Teresa. Actually say, pray for Sister Teresa, Sister Bethany, Sister um, Carly, because they're off to Italy for a year to prepare for vinyl vows. Oh, wow. So That's you cool. better be praying for them every day. If you're not, good. Um, St. Paul will haunt you. Yeah. That's just the way he is. He carries around a sword, too, so, so you got to watch out for him. Yeah. Uh, question. Yes. So your book hasn't officially come out no. yet, but do the sisters, do they have, like, physical copies? They have a kind of, um, they print, they, they use some printer to print off, like, so they could show the cover. There's mm -hmm. no content in it. I think they just maybe got the two first prints of it this week. Two copies of it. Okay. So I haven't okay. seen it yet. 
they were hoping it would come in before I left. Just curious. Yes. Just curious because I know I know I know you are their favorite priest, but I was hoping that at the very least, since I didn't get to go and hang out with you and the sisters, that they could at least send me a physical copy. Well, I'm sure we can make so that I could happen. finally read your book. We'll make that happen. So, we'll make um, that happen. Don't worry. Okay. Um, just don't worry. Out there. Like, I don't expect Listen, a lot. I got your back. I got your back. Don't worry. Okay. Um, in fact, a few of them had said, wouldn't it be awesome if you and I both went down there sometime so we could record a podcast Oh my there. gosh, it would be so, though. So, <laughs> hey, you should, I'm hoping to go in October or November. You should come down. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but the Sunday, so the Sunday was their jubilarian. So they had a sister celebrating 25 years, a sister celebrating 60 years, and a sister celebrating 70 years of vows which is amazing. Ooh. And I'm sitting there in the chapel praying. Bishop Mark's coming to um, celebrate the Mass. He's one of the auxiliaries of Boston. And they had just gotten hit by that hurricane, which wasn't too bad where we were, but where, this, where I guess Bishop Mark was, the roads were too hard to drive on. He was hydroplaning everywhere. Oh, yikes. So he phoned and said, I can't come. So a half hour before Mass, a sister bends over and says, Father... Bishop Mark can't come. You're doing the mass. <laughs> well, that's exciting. So I had a half hour to prepare a homily for the Jubilarian mass, so that was fun. <laughs> I think it went okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sure just and just like I don't know, just hanging out with them, and I don't know. I I can yeah. I I got to shut up because I can go on forever about this. But I love those okay. sisters deeply. Um, I want to support their work in whatever way I can, and you all should support their work in whatever way you can. Uh, because what they're doing, they got some amazing work going on for God in his church and often done in a hidden way that you don't even see. And they just need to be constantly lifted up because, um, okay, one little, little, little last thing. Cause I think one of the reasons it was such a graced time, especially like with those, well, not the whole community, but especially with the junior sisters who I worked mostly with, they're so different from each other. But they're all friends. Yeah. And you saw the grace of vocation and community life in a very powerful way. Like, I kept on bringing it up because I was just totally, I think I was just like dumbfounded by its effect. And when you see that and you encounter that, it just lifts up your heart and you see that God's grace is real and works in really powerful ways. And he brings all these talents together to do incredible things. Each sister has such a radically different talent. But they use it all together, and it was really beautiful because, like, three of the five sisters, three three of the six sisters who are on our kind of team for this, are heading off to Italy in a few weeks. But they're all there for, for a few weeks before, from their last yeah. work. So, just they're all we are all able to come together for this one time before we all kind of go off again. And so it was just yeah, amazing. I gotta shut up about it, but I can go on forever. Good. Well, I mean that I am very happy for you, you, as I like to say, and I mean it every time I say it. Father Harrison, your joy <laughs> brings me joy, and something else that brings me joy is the Summa. Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. We talk about the So, uh, 
I'm going to read this tweet from a good friend of mine, uh, Aaron Stuvek, who just had a baby girl. Uh, and she's wonderful and beautiful and very excited to meet the new baby. But uh, a few weeks ago, she tweeted, grateful for the chance to give a talk about women to seminarians tomorrow. I want my water to break so badly. Can you imagine the panic? <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about this a little yep. bit because I have met um, very uh, more than a few uh, good and holy women who have expressed a desire to speak to seminarians. Erin mm -hmm. uh, was one of them. Uh, and multiple reasons for this. And I think, one, I think it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. But it, uh, it brings up a few things because I think I think a lot of women have had bad experiences with priests, mm -hmm. not like necessarily like abusive, but just not good, mm -hmm. where uh, priests just have not known how to minister mm -hmm. to women or, or something, mm -hmm. you know? And this has come up time and time again with uh, women in ministry that I've, I've spoken to. Um, and of course, a lot of them also have had very you know good experiences uh, with priests as well. But uh, I was thinking about this because I thought it was a great idea because I know that she's going to, and she did do a great job. But then I was talking to another another uh, priest who was saying, oh, yeah, they're going to listen to that. And it made me think because one, being a seminarian is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And you can't really make generalizations of seminarians. I mean, you can, but it's not going to fit everybody. And so often seminarians get painted as these super naive um or uh, afraid of women or uh, mm -hmm. just uh, incompetent. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to various levels, those things can be mm -hmm. true in some mm -hmm. guys. I mean, we, I mean, God doesn't, it's weird because while few people are chosen for the priesthood, sometimes it feels like God doesn't care who he's picking. <laughs> I, and I mean by this, I mean like, like you look at a guy, like if you look at me in high school, you wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's gonna make a good priest, but yet here I mm -hmm. am, right? You get guys from all different walks of life and it almost seems like our Lord is just like grabbing them out of a grab bag at mm -hmm. random. So you get all kinds of different guys and that's part of the grace because God is the one who makes you into a good priest, right? So I was thinking like, I hope guys don't see something like this as an, as an insulting sort of thing mm -hmm. because it is important because most of the people you're gonna be ministering to are going to be women. Most of the people you're going to be working with are going to be women. And women are different than men. What? That's the most profound thing I will say. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. believe it or not. Yeah, we're, we're different. Maybe, maybe we should have finished ways. up those Theology of the Body uh, podcasts or Theology of the Human Person Yeah, those are, those are long. <laughs> we have the Theology of the Body podcast in like Forever. a year and a half. <laughs> Anyways. Right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, those are the two things I was thinking about. One, that this is a good opportunity. Two, I always want to stay away from the idea, because I feel like seminarians, and I do this too, jokingly, hopefully, in a brotherly way, but man, it seems like they get beat up all the time yeah. um, by like, seminarians should do this, seminarians need to do yeah. that. And I've, I spoke about this a little bit before, and this is not at all uh, what Aaron was doing, uh, but sometimes I feel like people have been wounded by priests so often and they're kind of powerless in that like i said not in necessarily like you know really bad ways just mm -hmm. in kind of mundane ways but still painful that and i've seen this from both priests and lay people it was like well we do have power over these almost priests and you have to be careful with that too right uh so those are some of my thoughts yeah and i think um and it's weird too because like as a priest, you know you've probably wounded people, even though it was not your intention. Actually, nothing you did maybe was wrong, but it was just for whatever reason received. 
differently sometimes. And we're going to talk about yes. that later. Yes, and that happens. Yes. <laughs> you know, that happens too. So, like, sometimes wounds happen because I'm not trying to excuse things, but it's just there's all sorts of right. – it's like myriads of, of problems, right? So, um, but I th- – you know, it was interesting in my experience in seminary that I, I did find, not always the case, but often, that the guys who tended to speak most – negatively about women in seminary tended to not make it yeah and i i wonder sometimes i don't know but i just wonder if it's a little bit of a defense mechanism because the idea of celibacy was like the only way i can be a celibate is if i don't like women not Uh, but but i mean mean, like i have to push them away yeah and i've I've had encounters about that too like i remember i was at a workshop once i think it was my first year seminary is after it was in the summer i was like at a chant thing or something like that i remember a priest sitting down we're just with some seminarians she's like yeah when a woman comes into your office you make sure you sit extra distant far away from her and you just make sure there's always a box of kleenex nearby and and you don't and you just be cold, as cold as possible and i'm like what whoa what and i was just like that doesn't seem human no. So, well, I will say the box of Kleenex is a good it's idea. It's if a, you're a priest, what, who cares who's coming in? Always have a box of Kleenex. <laughs> Always have a box of Kleenex wherever the people you're going to meet sit. Apparently, had a bit of people are going to cry in your I office. Apparently, had a bit of a happens. reputation in my first year of ministry with spiritual direction of uh, not making people <laughs> cry, but just like tears often came up in our sessions. Yeah. You know, because you're talking, you <laughs> know, your heart, important you know, things. Put your heart and yeah. everything. But I think part of it too, and this is, you know, I'm going to tie in a little bit to what we were talking about in the banter part, but it, it, it's, you got to see women as a gift. I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. And this is, and it's about seeing each other as a gift, really. Yeah. 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 And if you see someone as a gift out of a place of love, you will receive authentically what they want to give. And what they can reveal to you about what it means to be human, right? And you need that complementarity in life. You need that revelation and you need that support and you need that authenticity. Because I think like, especially, and I think too, it's, um, and I think this is something where we need to really build up in a positive way within the context of things like seminary is, because I think part of it is, when you're in seminary, especially if your classes are like within the context of the seminary bounds, like where you're not taking classes with other lay people or something like that, you don't get exposed to a lot of women for eight months of the year, right? Yeah, and that's just the fact, right? But that, at least in today's day and age, that can sometimes be unhelpful because then you yeah. don't, you forget to see the other as a gift who has who is a gift from God to show you what it means to be human. And, and actually this is part of it all is that actually like the feminine stance, if you will, is the human stance in front of God. And so we need to learn from that, right? We need to learn from that big time, yeah. actually. Um, Ratzinger goes into this a lot and I like it a lot. Whenever he, he, I just came across it again, an introduction Christian. I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah. But don't. Yeah. So I think it's good that, they did this um but it can't just be a talk too like and i think this is why right. like, i always like to say like get i say the seminarians like even if your seminary is far away from where like if it's like a regional seminary get to know families where you're going to seminary you're going to be there for four or five years it's going to hold a special place to you always that where you went to study so like get to know some families like just get yourself immersed in normal life because mm-hmm. you just need to know how to relate to all that and build good friendships that way um and yeah it, it and i think part of it too is and I, we did talk about this on the 
when we talked about the USCCB stuff a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, we just live in such a overly sexualized world. I don't think we've learned how to help seminarians live in that at all. Yeah, because I think a, a lot of us are still struggling of how to live in it in general. Right. So, you know, how can we help people learn? And I think part of it is, again, it's like, this is what comes to my heart, like, big time the last few days is like, and I've actually been reading um, Thomas Dubay's In You Are Christ on virginity and celibacy. And he's just big on, like, this only makes sense from a position of love. And so we need to create spaces for you to fall in love with God and to develop an intimacy with him. Only then can you see the person through God's eyes and your gift of celibacy and chastity as a real gift through which you can honestly love with God's heart, all people. Yeah. So, and I was going to say, so I think it's great that she did this and I think it's an awesome first step, but I also want to say like, there needs to be more sometimes too, because yeah, part of it's also just growing up. Like, here's the thing, the, 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 the 28 year old priest newly ordained, the oil still fresh on his hands is not going to deal with women in the same way as a priest in his 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s. Sure. And also, like, I'm just thinking about, like, um, I entered seminary when I was 18. Yeah. I had a lot of growing up to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, I, and you know, in a lot of ways I still do. But I will say, uh, getting back to her original tweet, I think it would have been an excellent an excellent formative experience Absolutely. if her water broke in front of all the seminarians <laughs> i think there have been a lot to take the spiritual direction i think it would have been good yeah. um i mean probably not like ideal for her but um i mean that was something you would remember forever yep. forever yep. exactly amen <laughs> all, all right. right uh all right i got one right here one second there i was Got off my. I'm trying to stay off my phone more while we're recording. It gets too easy sometimes. Ah, uh, yes, this is from Anna Durkin at Carmelite Anna. My daughter said goodbye Jesus to the priest after mass, and I just love that because, um, actually, I found a quote by Alberioni about the priesthood when I was with the sisters, and he said, and it really actually hit me. And I think it gets to this is, he says. It's not being a priest is not you plus God. It's like God. It's like Christ in you in a special way. Like you are in a you are in a sacramental way. The constant sacramental presence of Christ ahead to others, which is like, like it was just like it just. I'm like, yeah. I'm not Harrison who so happens to be a priest. Yeah, I am priest Harrison. <laughs> like I am Christ Harrison, if you will, right? But that just real quick, just real quick, that reminds me that at a parish I was at, there was this local guy uh, who would hang around the parish, but he was Protestant, yeah. and he did not want to call his father. So I was priest Anthony, or it was, uh, it was that's, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. But like, and you have to be careful with that, obviously, because if it gets too ident- if you lose analogy, it gets too identified. It becomes big problems. Gets usurped for power. All those bad things. We all know about that. But there's also a truth that a child just implicitly gets that this person, like they get the sacramental reality a lot better. This person makes Christ present to me always. And that's also like a really big reminder to us as priests <laughs> that, yep. But it's also, I just love that, that childlikeness, that, that easy joy, like not overthinking it, just like, yep, this is Jesus to me. 
and yeah. that the priest obviously conveyed that to this child is also a beautiful thing so all those things together is just, just one of those like beautiful little tweets that you're just like yep that's that awesome childlike faith yeah yes yeah and there's something like it's those it's those little things that are a reminder and also a challenge yep. to you when you receive them i remember this is when i was still in seminary and i was helping out at some uh youth thing retreats and you know how youth retreat things they have to have a very dramatic skit involved and this is a very dramatic skit and they wanted me to play jesus and i was like i can't play jesus mm-hmm. and i realized like oh i'm going to sacramentally be jesus and it freaked me out yep. that was a very powerful moment in my formation it's like oh no 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 this is this is like a real thing um and it's it's important to because uh, sacramental identity um is a little bit more difficult to be aware of and pin down mm-hmm. than your other identities you know me as anthony as brother and stuff that's something i've I have concrete reminders of my entire life but it can be very often uh difficult or you can forget your identity as priest mm-hmm. um you do need reminders of that and as you more and more in your priesthood that becomes integrated within mm-hmm. you right because i think i think every priest has, has struggled mm-hmm. with this um either feeling like you're living a double life or sometimes i'm a priest sometimes i'm not uh and like no you're always mm-hmm. a priest and even when you mess up jesus doesn't regret his choice to make mm-hmm. you a priest uh so little human reminders like that they they go a long Honestly. way so good yeah. Amen. so let's move on to presbyteral exhortations and now it is time for presbyteral exhortations oh yes, yes. quite good quite good indubitably mm-hmm. i bet they can't wait to learn, They're gonna learn so much. it's my favorite part oh, it's oh, the best part mm-hmm. yes yes quite, quite. yes right. quite. i am gonna turn off my overhead fan because <laughs> i bet there's background noise and give it a few seconds so that if there is maybe nick can hear it and just take it out and I, I just realized you're in your room you're not in the guest room. It's, I'm still in. I'm still oh, really? in the guest room. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm still oh in my, my guest room. Um, it's like I, the bed hasn't come in yet, and because that hasn't come in yet, I haven't bothered gotcha. moving in yet. Okay. Uh, and also, someone's vacuuming. But hey, we'll see yeah. what happens. Cool. All right. So I'm just going to talk about some of my experiences in my new parish. Okay. Cool. Um, so I've been here what two months? I don't know. It's one of those things that like it feels like I've been here forever, mm-hmm. but also feels like I got here yesterday because. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might have mentioned this before, but people have been asking me, like, have you settled in? And my response, at least interiorly, is, can one settle into a River Rapids? Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. like You'll have to ask Father is... Alec. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, our, our buddy Father Alec survived the River Rapids in uh, the Grand Canyon. So we're happy. It was funny because, like, 14 priests went uh, whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon. That should be illegal. You should not let yeah, 14 priests do that. <laughs> if they crashed or something, we're doomed I as think, a diocese. I think, I think I, you should be allowed to do that if you have personally been brought about three priests. So you've, you've, right. you have if personally brought about three, three guys who've been ordained. Then you can go white yes. rock, water raft, rift, whatever it is. Yeah. But apparently, apparently they all had a great time. Um, but <laughs> okay, uh, let's just side note. I mean, I think they had a great time, but in my opinion, more than like five priests is too many priests it's just too many 
like doing a trip like that because you got a bunch of guys who are kind of used to being leaders and uh i i I mean apparently it worked out by the grace of god Hmm. uh because you know i just anyway uh but yeah so it's a very busy parish Hmm. it's a combination of two previous parishes with very different identities from each other and even those identities have changed a lot recently because the there's a relatively new pastor he's been here for two years um and you know one of those years was was covid and even while we're talking about how covid's over it's it's not in a lot of ways and so that's confusing as well so when i first got here i was very excited uh excited for this new opportunity the leadership style is different so i'm very involved in actually making decisions Hmm. about the parish about what we do the pastor is very collaborative like that which is uh great and refreshing and there's the community life is very good here um, you know, one day the pastor stopped by because he just had to ask me about something that he said to a parishioner. And this guy's way holier and smarter than me. Um, and But he just wanted to share that because he was thinking about it a lot. And he went to his brother priest, who was me, to talk hmm. about it. And I was like, wow, I don't think someone older, more experienced, wiser than me has ever done that. Mm-hmm. And so it's great, very healthy in that way. Um so a lot of good things also the parish is wonderful people are wonderful um and so i was very excited for this new opportunity the nice thing about this transfer was that i have a better feeling of what it means to be a priest Mm. now obviously uh because it's you know five years is more than zero years and i remember especially that first assignment everyone immediately treats you like a priest because you are but you also have kind of no idea what you're doing like I know the words of the mass, I know what pages to flip through in the book. That's where I'm at. So, you know, I know a whole bunch of theology, which is important and helpful, but it's like, what does it actually mean to be a parish yeah. priest in a real life yeah. parish? It was interesting for me. It was, I was going to say quickly, it was interesting for me because my first parish, really after, I mean, I was in a other place for a little bit, but my first like full assignment as an associate was in my home parish, essentially. So everyone knew me. So it took everyone a while. I think it took us all a while to get used to this, which was, but actually, but in some ways, it was also really good because they knew me, so they knew my yeah, okay, my yeah. quirks and my good traits and everything, and were able to, especially the rector, he was able to patiently bear it all. <laughs> good. <laughs> whoever gets assigned a new priest does have to patiently uh, bear it all, yeah. and um, so, but the, like I said, the nice thing is mm-hmm. like I I'm just more comfortable in who I mm-hmm. am now. And so I had no problem hitting the ground running when it came to preaching, visiting people, doing ministry. The things that gave me a whole lot of anxiety my first years just don't. I'm um, just feeling very much more comfortable. So I kind of just jumped in doing the things that I'm good at doing, uh, trying to learn how things work here. Um, I mean, there were there a few nights that uh, I forgot to lock up the church because I wasn't used to doing that? Yes. Were there a few times I locked myself out of the rectory? Uh, yes, but that also happens were there to me times you just slept monthly. In for mass? Yeah. Was there a time that my pastor knocked on my door reminding me that I had seven o'clock mass? Yes. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so that's all part of just transition and new life, you know? You're like, it's uh, 7 a.m. Who has mass at 7 a.m.? <laughs> I know. And just getting used to that, you know, new schedule and stuff. And uh, so, uh, so it was also just, just been a very graceful time. The Lord's very much helped me in this transition where um, I just felt very confident about some of the things I was good at, mm-hmm. like 
preaching and being with people and meeting people. Um, you know, I've talked about my anxiety problems in the past, uh, but, you know, I was able to, we had this summer event where I was running around selling 50-50 tickets and just talking with parishioners and stuff. And it, while still exhausting, was not anxiety inducing. So it was just nice to kind of be in my own. Right. And uh, then I just went on vacation mm-hmm. and uh, had a week off. And after that week off, which was very good, very relaxing, I really wanted to hit the ground running uh, because while I've loved my other assignments and I've always loved the people mm-hmm. at my assignments, I really have, and I really miss them. Um, I feel like the Lord's provided me an opportunity to dive deeper into my priesthood mm-hmm. where now I'm more comfortable. Now there's a place where I feel more free to be a priest. And I was like, I really want to take advantage of this. I want to make sure I'm praying. I want to make sure that I'm running with the Holy Spirit, uh, letting the Spirit carry me in my preaching and ministry. And so uh, I came back, had Mass on Sunday, and was praying over my homily and felt like I had something to say. And then uh, something I've been doing recently is really interceding or asking St. Anthony to intercede for me because he's, you know, my name's Satan, a good preacher. And it's been like clicking. Like as soon as I ask him to help me preach, I immediately feel at ease. Right. It's just this little grace that I've been receiving lately. So it's good. Gave my first homily. Things went well. Felt very good about it. Celebrated Mass. Was happy to be back with everybody. Then I have, uh, we have an evening Mass on Sunday, 7.30. And it's a little fancier. It's a candlelight Mass. A few more fancy things. And same deal. Felt good about it. Uh, was talking with people outside. Our youth minister was uh, trying to drum up some business, getting the youths back into youth ministry, talking with some youths and stuff. We had like seven altar servers mm-hmm. who were all amazing. <laughs> and like, it was just a great evening. And I walked back into the church and a parishioner comes up to me and was very upset with what I did not preach. I preached on one thing. This parishioner felt I should have preached on X and Y. And this person had very good and personal reasons for wanting me to do that. And so I began by, you know, listening, apologizing, but that wasn't enough for this person. And I'm not judging them. They had stuff going on, whatever. And I began to get irritated because then they became a little accusatory. Uh, And I did not appreciate that. And so... Things got snippy. I don't feel like I handled it the way I should have, and I apologize for that. But it really stuck with me. Like, it really, really bothered me. Because then I I went back to the rectory, and both the other priests were away. So I'm just sitting in the rectory, feeling like a terrible priest. And this is something that, you know, we all struggle with, I think, as priests. That you can get a thousand compliments, and it's Mm -hmm. like, whatever. But you get one, like, negative confrontation, and it just, like, devastates. Isn't original sin amazing? (laughs) It's it's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, yeah. okay. But the negative thing, you just hold on to right. it, right? And you know, so I. But also, I, I want to be a good mm-hmm. priest. And it, like, was there something I missed? Right. I felt so confident about what yeah. I said. Am I listening to the spirit the right way? Um, and then it it just brought up like all these problems in the culture. Uh, that why this person would be thinking this way about things or or assuming I meant something that I really didn't. And I began to get overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. overwhelmed with um, just the culture that we're we're ministering to, I in a particular way in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we talked about Americanism a Mm -hmm. lot, and 
I think when people hear that, even though we tried to explain it, all of a sudden I'm a bleeding heart liberal. Mm -hmm. And more and more, I feel like I must be because I'm not like, I thought I was very conservative. I grew up listening Mm -hmm. to talk radio. I thought like, I I am very conservative. I'm a conservative priest. Um, And all of a sudden like, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on here. And so that's disorienting. Mm -hmm. And just seeing how deeply people through no fault of their own have been influenced by the culture in such a way where it puts up walls to them hearing the gospel and them being challenged. And that's, you know, a particular difference in this parish where people feel very comfortable telling you what they thought about the homily. And I've had really good experiences about that. You know, the other day, a, a guy called me up and was like, hey, I felt like you were saying this. Is that right? And we had a wonderful conversation about it. And it was great. And I'm super happy for that. I'm also happy that this parishioner who, even though was aggressive, I'm glad they talked to me. Mm-hmm. Right? I'd rather have you talk to me than not, mm-hmm. or send an anonymous email. But like I said, it was overwhelming, right. overwhelming. <clears throat> and then the next day, I'm speaking with, uh, running around, visiting uh, the staff members, and was talking with a staff member. And one of the things I've loved about this parish is the liturgy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Novus Ordo the way I want it to be celebrated, uh, with reverence, with the occasional Latin, there's the occasional... Now, like the hymns are theologically good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chanting of the intro stuff, stuff that I have desired for so long, and that have been a real blessing since I've been here. It, in a way that I can't describe, when I celebrate Mass, I feel more like a priest. Right. It's been very edifying for me. But for a lot of people, this has not been edifying because they've had no experience of this kind of stuff. And for them, it's been disorienting. Especially if you think about it, they've been away from Mass for a long time because of COVID. They come back and all of a sudden they don't know how to sing the Gloria, this thing that has... Mass, which has been this stable rock for them, now looks different. It's disorienting for them. Um, And this person bring up questions of why are we even bothering doing this if it's, you know, uh, messing with people? Like, are we... Um, focusing on the forest or focusing on the trees and missing the forest when it comes to liturgy. And I was mostly just listening to this because mm-hmm. this person brought this to me in, in very good faith and it was a good conversation, but that was disorienting for me. You know, I've, this is something that over the course of my studies and in our conversations on the podcast that I've taken for granted as an obviously good thing, but then realizing that a lot of people don't experience it mm-hmm. as that. Okay. Then like, what do we have to do? Mm-hmm. To, to make this happen, or am I even right? And all this thought was like swimming in my brain, where it's like, and the impossibility, because I feel much more responsibility in this parish because mm-hmm. I'm more part of a team. All of a sudden, the impossibility of what it means to be a priest just was like washing me away, where it's like, I, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I don't know how to help people. So we'll pause there. I've been talking for a lot, but like, is there anything there that you resonate or you, you've experienced? Because I'm sure it's more difficult for you because you are the pastor, whereas I'm just yeah. On the I mean, team. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm gonna probably save some of this for the next podcast because we're gonna have some dovetails for sure. Um, um yeah. Hmm. <laughs> This is what happens, folks, when you realize you're probably going to both talk about maybe the same thing-ish. Um. <laughs> well, we both said we're just going to talk about stuff today. Well, like, sort of. I, yes. I no, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's just like, okay, I'm just 
trying to not make sure I don't I don't want to become repeat I don't want to repeat myself in a bad way um well that's okay that's weird for me <laughs> maybe grace is actually working in my heart <laughs> I don't know maybe it is we'll find we'll out, find out. Maybe, yeah, no, it's just, maybe. yeah okay well I'll try and say a little something though I shouldn't I don't want to be like I'm not trying to pass the buck here it's just um but I think there's a point there about the impossibility of the task and because it is impossible because it's not our task it's Christ's and our job as priests I was reading something in Fulton Sheen the other day about this is um, he said you are first and foremost a priest not for a parish not for some particular role in a diocese or religious order but you are a priest for Christ essentially like that's what you are first it, your priesthood is more important than the particular role in which you exercise it and what that means is as priests we need to be better about simply receiving and yeah this is definitely going to dovetail a bit into next week's but that's fine um, simply receiving what Christ gives us by first rooting ourselves by receiving him and orienting our priesthood in that role of self-offering. I mean, I'm sure people know for Sheen, priest victim is a big thing for him. So I'm reading Those Mysterious Priests right now, which is something he wrote just a few years before he died. So it's more, it's actually, I find a lot more developed than a priest is not his own i'm really enjoying it i'm really it's really really good i mean a lot of it sometimes you're like oh yeah i've heard this before but you're like hmm yeah hmm. um he's dealing with a lot more well he's coming out he's, he's in the throes of coming out of the council right so but every time i read him just like yeah this is it he goes you can't be a priest without being a victim because christ is both priest and victim and so if that's the case for jesus why would it be different for you as a priest and that's the thing. It's like saying yes to the impossibility of the task and, and being okay with failure. But to trust that the failure is actually a source of grace. I've been, re I've been re -listening. I'm re listening on audiobook right now. I've read it. I'm listening to it in my drives. Uh, Bernanos' country, Diary Country Priest. This is the whole book. Have you read it? No. <gasps> Dude, you got to read it. Okay, you have to read it so we can talk about it on the podcast one day. Okay, I, I've got an audible credit. Okay, good, good. Because yeah, it's just like that's the whole book. Is his whole priesthood's a failure? Everything he does is a failure for his people. Mm. That's hitting me right now. Oh, but okay. <laughs> I, I, I'll keep going. <laughs> yeah, well, don't worry. We'll talk about this more next week, and okay. i.e. in twenty minutes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So I was. I was. Um, I almost wanted to say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to go to all the prisoners and I'm going to say, uh, you give me my homily notes. You tell me what you want to hear. Like that's, that's kind of like the, the point I was at. Like, cause I'm, cause I'm, I, I'm, I was just like in that moment done. Um, but then I, you know, <laughs> I kept praying and realized how utterly overwhelmed I was and this is something like I think this happens with a lot of people in different ways I think in a particular way as priests um, who 
do a lot of reading and studying and, and keeping up with stuff where I think we can see in a general sense what is going on. Like connect the dots about the signs of the times, what's going on in our culture, what's going on in uh, the church at large. And sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. But there can be this kind of stagnation when you zoom out and see this huge picture and you can be overwhelmed by it. And that was what was going on with me. It's like, well, I can't, I can't do all this. I can't. And after, I don't know, 45 minutes of my holy hour, just being like, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, right behind the chapel where we have a little chapel, there's this beautiful image of the crucifix. So I kept glancing up from the Eucharist and looking at the crucifix and glancing down at the crucifix and the Eucharist and going back and forth. And like the Lord just hit me with this thing. It's like, Anthony, if you live your priesthood perfectly, if you do everything right, the best thing that you can hope for is to end up looking like me on the cross. And I have not thought about the priesthood that way. Like, you know, I love, I love Priest and Victim. I love that book. I've read it three times, <laughs> you know? But like, it was, it's funny because it's, it's always the Lord who ends up teaching us. Um, but then I was, and the weird thing is like, I was okay with that because that means I'm with Jesus in the most intimate way possible. And I, and I, two things. One, immediately felt peace and did not feel the desire to complain about this anymore. And I, I don't want to make this a complaint. I mean, a lot of priests have experienced far worse than me. I, you know, you know, so that's not why I'm bringing it up, I'm bringing it up for, for, for this reason. I want to be able to have other people see that. I don't even know how to explain it yet, but like in that moment, the ideal was for me to be crucified with Christ because then I'm with the one I love. And I don't know how you give that to people or even lead them in that direction. Um, and maybe it's not for me to worry about right now. It's just for me to internalize more. Uh, but something about, and we've, we've talked about this before with, uh, you know, our existential emptiness, um, But yeah, to see priesthood as not just a failure, right? <laughs> but failure in the sense of Christ on the right. cross. There's nothing more beautiful than the cross, but there's also nothing, no greater failure in the eyes of the world, right? right. That's why the cross is foolishness for the it's the wisdom, but it's foolish for the Gentile, but it's wisdom for God. Um, and. Yeah, it's very interesting. Maybe it's like also Jesus' way of just, he's working similar things in my heart too. Um, 
and yeah, all I I was so when I was doing those videos with the sisters, we decided to make the videos more about the experience of the sacramental worldview. Like I was really trying to focus in on experience. It was really kind of again beautiful thing of providence and all of it. But as we we're doing this, I was like it just kind of kept on hitting home like because you're talking about like yeah, that existential dread or whatever it is like or is that's next to put it hanging over the abyss of nothingness all that you know fun imagery uh, i think i used the i think i used the phrase in the videos um uh standing at the cliff of nothingness you know it's just mm -hmm. what everyone experiences but ratzer actually makes a really good point at the beginning of introduction to christianity that uh, um i had heard it before but now like i was praying about it over the weekend and I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, yeah, no, he's got a point here. The beginning, he talks about the phenomenology of doubt, right? Essentially, he makes a simple argument. Um, everybody doubts. You're going to doubt as a Christian. You're going to doubt as an atheist. There is no absolute rational, like in terms of like, we're talking about rational certainty. I mean, by this, like an absolute quantifiable sense of what happens to us in our death we hmm. it's not scientifically observable um, under the modes of modern rationality it is literally impossible to know in terms of that absolute certainty so everyone's going to doubt so the question becomes what are you going to do with the doubt because like yeah. i think i was reflecting on this i brought up i brought it into my sunday homily a bit and i said how because i was realizing that whenever I'm trying to control or whenever, you know, you struggle in your life as a priest in your vocation, whenever you, you, um, you, you think, is it really worth all this suffering sometimes, all this stuff? I realized something that I thought that the doubt, which is part of this existential nothingness stuff, by the way, it's not, it's to say like, this is our condition today that I was thinking that the only way, the only right reasonable way to live in life is to give, to assuage the doubt perfectly. But I realized I was wrong in that. You can't, you're not going to ever. But rather what you're going to do. So then you have to, then you bring in a little Pascal, Pascal's wager, and you start to realize there's only one reasonable choice. You live for God. You throw yourself absolutely at him. In this, you're going to discover the reality of him as well. And in a way, the doubt will be assuaged by his presence, mm -hmm. but it's not in the way of a rational proof. Um, and it's just something that kind of came out of putting those videos together for me that I'm just praying now, like these last two weeks or so now, can I keep the momentum going? <laughs> because sure. that's it. It's like, no, no, it's literally the only person, the only saints, like, I think part of it's like, we think like we keep on buying into this idea. If I give everything to God, we believe that he's, going to destroy us but every saint is madly in love like 
there's just no better way to go than the way of a saint to be madly in love. And the only way you are madly in love is to first open your heart to receive in prayer and then you give in your life out of that receptivity what you can and trust God to do the rest. And that's priesthood. That's Christian life. But that's priesthood. You know, um, I had this very holy nun come up to me when I was there. It was one of the most adorable moments you ever have in your life as a priest. I don't know. I think she's like in her 90s. And I see her coming with her little walker. She's coming straight <laughs> yeah, yeah. beeline for me in the, in the cafeteria. <laughs> Father, I have a favor to ask of you. Oh, okay. What's that? <laughs> Will you pray for me at the next consecration that I abandon myself totally to his will? And I'm just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then she comes up to me the next day. She goes, did you do it? I said, absolutely, sister. She goes, good. Now I will pray for you that you be a saint because, and this is it, if the priests are saints, so are the people. And if the people are saints, so are the priest. How do we live this? So this is going to bring it in. It's like, how do we live this? How do we show this? How do we bring people to this? It's got to be a saint. And that kind of leads to how I kind of want to wrap this up because my prayer over my vacation was I want to go all in, mm -hmm. Lord. Like, I know this is opportunity. And it's not going to be through my words of preaching. It's not going to be through the stuff I do. It's going to be by me giving my life even more so to this mm -hmm. parish and being even more vulnerable to these people. Um, and so it was just this morning where it's, I, because it was daily mass, um, I kind of went off off scripture for a little bit and just asked the people to pray for our parish and pray for our priests so that we can be more of a family because we have a tough time making decisions with stuff with COVID, with how we're going to do our Oktoberfest, with how do we teach people about Latin stuff in the liturgy. And that's what I realized. Like we need to come together more as just a family because there's still this idea that and I had adopted it, that the priests and the people are not in this together, that either I have to come up with all the right answers or that they have to come up with all the right counsel or that they have to give all the money. It's like, no, 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 that's not what this is about. We have to, in a deeper way, walk together. Mm -hmm. And that was the immediate, like, zooming in, like, zooming out, mm -hmm. chaos, being overwhelmed, and zooming in. It's like, no, I just have to be more of a father. Mm -hmm. And if I do that, then, I mean, that's what I'm mm -hmm. supposed to do. I have more to say, but tune in next week. Tune in <laughs> next week. This is a good time to wrap things up. Oh, boy. I have not even looked at... So, like, you can give to the Patreon so we can get right, Nick right, some right. diapers. No, no, no. Yes. Wait, we're going to do this okay, officially. Cool. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> I, I've lost that document, so I just go off the cuff every time. Yeah, well, uh, you're not leading this I one. I am. Okay. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me attempting to radically abandon myself to God's divine will by his grace. <laughs>
You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. <laughs> Same diff. <laughs> Same diff. <laughs> Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking.com. Go to our Patreon page so that we can buy new microphones, support sisters, and buy diapers for producer Nick and Riley for the things they will need diapers for. Because we discovered apparently diapers are very expensive. Yeah. That's not something they teach you in no. the seminary. No. But yeah. yeah. So help out, help out Nick and Riley buy diapers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. God bless. Peace.